You're looking at the big picture with Edwin Eisentraft on WCPT 820. Okay, a little after 3 p.m. here in the blustery upper Midwest, and I'm joined again um, by the Bulwark's A.B. Stoddard. And I, I took some time to think about why I enjoy talking to her as much as I do. She is, of course, a terrific journalist um, and a columnist with a, a point of view that, that if you read her stuff, you can see it's based on having fabulous sources, right, and having conversations with people at the center of our nation's politics. But it's also um, informed by her very deep commitment to the hard work of thinking through difficult questions. You know, I mean, it's a lot easier to judge than to think, and she's not going to judge until she's thought. I love that. Anyway, Amy, welcome back. Oh, thank you so much. Those are lovely words, and I appreciate all the encouragement that I can find in 2024, Edwin. It's great to be with you. Well, you know I'm an optimist, but today is, after all, an ugly anniversary. And I guess I want to start by getting your thoughts on what has happened to us since January 6th, 2020. Yeah, I made the mistake. Um, I'm working this weekend a little bit because I want to file for Monday. So sort of getting myself together on what I, you know, researching what I was thinking of writing about. And I was, I guess, on Twitter. And it was, I knew this week when I saw that UMD Washington Post poll about all the gaslighting and whitewashing and memory holing and red pilling of January 6th yep. among Republicans, I knew I would be, you know, I would get frustrated. But today, um, seeing the responses um, on Twitter from Donald Trump Jr. and Senator Mike Lee, um, and then also seeing the real facts of three years ago, the things that Republicans said on January 6th, and the seventh before they would go on to gaslight us um, about this, about this tragic uh, so, and, and consequential, um, you know, obviously a deadly insurrection. It just, it was really hard today uh, to take it in. So I walked away. So if any breaking <laughs> news has happened in the last few hours, I don't know about it because I, I had to walk away from my iPad. Um, you know, the polling shows us that Republicans, have from the grassroots all the way up to former President Trump rewritten that day. Um, you get to believe now that it's the FBI uh, who ran a sting operation, but you also get to believe that patriotic Trump supporters were there and they were fighting for democracy and they've become unfairly held to account and they are hostages or martyrs or whatever. So it's, you get to believe anything you want. Um, it's a fact-free, all-emotion um, rewriting of history, and it's it's really um, so emblematic, right, of of the of the challenge that we face uh, in the ten months ahead to try to keep Americans on the side of reality, on the side of our system of self-governance, on the side of the truth, and um, it's it's a mighty, mighty challenge ahead, given. Yeah just how much a good 40% of the country has become deranged. Um, and uh, it's, it's hard today. It's hard to, to remember. It's hard to look forward. It's, it's enraging to me uh, that people lie about this, people who know better and who know exactly what happened. Members of Congress know that the people they are facing in those hallways 
were not members of the FBI. So it, it's it's such a difficult day today because I'm still so outraged and so hurt, um, but knowing that that they have succeeded in in lying about this and it's worked for some Americans uh, three three years on after seeing it on TV is well, it's just it's surreal. It's surreal. Yeah. Um, my take is a little more optimistic, but similar. I think what we've learned in the three years is that this wasn't a one-day insurrection. It's a rolling coup, and it's still going on. And the perpetrators are lying, and, and anyone who is lying about that day is a perpetrator um, who is still trying to overturn our democracy. Um, so we haven't we haven't won yet. But I don't think on January 6th, we felt like we won. We felt like we succeeded in the minimal of like saying, okay, they don't get to actually steal an election. But the rift was still there and it hasn't been healed in three years. But in the subsequent time, maybe the the guys who are lying keep losing elections. And I take a lot of comfort, no matter what the polls say, they lose election after election after election. That the 60-40 is a, is a landslide, you know, a landslide. And I, no, I'm grateful. I, I am encouraged that. by this as well. I, I mean, I'm, this, this is what I'm clinging to today on a very, yep. very dark and wet and cold and icy day in Washington. On this anniversary. Yeah. You are right. You wrote about um, the slim, slim Republican majority in the House, which has gotten even smaller, I think, in a couple of days since your piece. And I think about that. I mean, the Dems have a majority in the Senate. Granted, the Senate is not functional with just the majority, but they have a majority in the Senate. They have Biden in the White House and the GOP is talking like a party in power. They are demanding all kinds of things that they can't possibly accomplish, including demanding that the whole country ignore what it saw with its own eyes and believe something completely different, right? But they aren't that powerful. They're actually very weak in terms of their governing power. And I'd love you to talk about that, how tenuous is the hold of the GOP in the House? Right, that's what's so ironic is that what I am the most uh, afraid of is Trump's power because he leads a cult of people who believe that God has sent him, that no matter what he does, it's right, that there are even more crimes he should commit because no matter what he does, it's perfect. Um, and that or living in a reality distortion field. His power is very concerning to me because of his general election matchup polling with Biden, where he always is leading. Trump is always leading Biden. And so that is really what we have to face, you know, straight on. However, what you just noted is so interesting because the House Republican, the one branch of, you know, the one part of the government, of the Congress that they, of the control, and they don't control the White House, of course, is the House. They have a tiny majority now. It's by like two seats or so. Um, it'll become one, I believe, uh, when Bill Johnson is retired, um, uh, resigns next week to become um, head of a, of a president of a college in Youngstown, Ohio. They, they are, the, the House Republican Conference is a shambolic disaster. 
and they deeply, deeply hate each other and just distrust each other. They are out. They believe they're going to head into the minority, that they're not going to retain their majority. And so they're out there. Each person is out for number one and out for themselves. Nobody cares about the leadership. Mike Johnson has just come to the speakership as the sort of, you know, consensus pick. But people who are in districts who are going to need a lot of help from the power center in the Republican Party know that all of the money flows to Trump and Mike Johnson is not Kevin McCarthy and can't raise good money and can't come to their district because if you're in a swing district, you don't want Mike Johnson to come, you know, like be seen with you on the campaign trail because he has he's like a wacky winger and yep. um and and a fraud and a fraud. Anyway, so they're really, really upset internally. And um and what the, the premise of my of the column that I wrote over the holidays is that I believe that that they so loathe each other and they so loathe their jobs right now. And we haven't even gotten into the government shutdown that's coming. I don't know if it'll happen on the January 19th deadline or the February two or three deadline, but they are trying to hold up everything over the speaker, government funding and security and military funding for Taiwan, Israel and Ukraine over this, fight over the border. But we know, Edwin, that they will never compromise with Joe Biden and the Senate Rats on any border language. Nothing will ever be good enough for them in the base, and they don't want to be seen as giving Biden a win. So they will shut the government down at least once. And to show that they're fighting this and they're fighting, you know, the, the demons of of, you know, the, the socialist Democrats and the communists and the fascists, whatever names that, that Trump has given them. And Trump will not let them make a deal with Joe Biden. And so we're heading into this unbelievable showdown um, where, where they're going to be at each other's throats. So, Forgive me. I'm going to interrupt said, you for one so, second. Yeah. I don't they learn anything? I mean, how have these shutdowns no, no. worked out for them in the past? But, you see, that's what, what you're asking them to do is care about their majority and care about their team. And they don't. This Republican Party now is, is a cult of Trump, and then there's no real party, right? There's no fealty to anything. There's no principles. There's no legislation. That they don't actually want to do a deal. They don't want a new health care bill. They don't want to do comprehensive immigration reform and control the border. Um, Mike Johnson is going to make a huge mistake if he gets into these negotiations he wants with Joe Biden because Biden will give him compromises on the border that Johnson can't, upset, can't accept. So my premise is they are furious at each other now. They're furious at Matt Gaetz. The Ever Kevins are still burning up with resentment about about uh, Matt Gates and Timber Chat and the people that and Nancy Mace and the eight people that took down uh, McCarthy. They can't believe they haven't been punished. They haven't paid, and all of the good guys are now going to retire from the Congress. And so the so the the people who are left, the institutionalists in the Republican Party, are just furious that these bozos forced out. They're, they're good members and, and, and force them to retire. So my argument is that why, if you're job searching now, would you stay until November if you plan to, to leave? If you get a, if you get a good offer, what, are, you, are you loyal to, to Mike Johnson? Are you, why would you stay? And so there is the possibility that they don't even make it as a majority until the election because of the dysfunction within, within their ranks. Yeah. Well, I think that's fascinating, and I think that um, Hakeem Jeffries is pretty savvy. I'm sure he's doing everything he can to 
keep their uh, Republican. I mean, he doesn't have to work hard at it. They're doing it all on their own, but to keep them at each other's throats. And, um, uh, you know, I, I was I took comfort from knowing that the House is sworn in before the president that, you know, because the, the idea that Mike Johnson would have a gavel in a, in a new in the next version of January 6th absolutely terrified me to death. Right. Because he's a, he, he, you know, yeah. he's a leading power in that insurrection. But happily, a new house gets sworn in before the president gets sworn in. They'll, he won't have that power. Thank God. Um, but you're we'll saying they might sure. lose it even we'll before that. We'll have to make then. sure that the House Republicans don't, re, re, you know, don't win a majority. Right. Like that. Yes. They don't think they will. But it's going to be close. And we're going to have to fight hard. And that's part that's part of what Joe Biden is talking about. The democracy speeches, the democracy theme, January 6th, it's, it has to be a campaign of education to the American public about a rules-based system. And all of the rules Republicans continuously violate uh, and flout and, and, and refuse to, to, to follow. And, and, and that is an important conversation that we have and let Liz Cheney get out there this year and say what she said yep. in her book, which is Mike Johnson knew better. And he still said, let's do this for Trump. He knew he had lost the election and he would do this again for partisan reasons. And those voices and, the, and that, that theme about the, you know, the, the, the extent they will go to to break the system is, is so essential because I don't know a lot of Americans know who Mike Johnson is or, or, or what Liz Cheney, you know, has said about him in her book. It's, it's critical. I think um, in the last three years has seen the, the completion of something that's been accelerating for a while, but it is the um, crumbling, really the disappearance of the GOP. It doesn't exist as a political party. There's just this Trump movement. Um, and, and as you've just pointed out, the folks who got there as part of the GOP are being purged now, right? Left and right from Congress, like gone. They got to go. Right. So the ones that it's just a Trump movement. Um, and I, I, you know, I remember Republican leaders all my whole life wh- whom I have had some strong policy disagreements sometimes. But, oh, my God, I respected them as tough thoughtful, patriotic, right? Anybody with those those qualities has been purged. So, so I do believe, and this is related to what you just said, that Liz Cheney, uh, that the Bush family, that a whole, maybe Chris Christie, that a whole bunch of, of people who used to be in, who used to be part of what used to be the Republican party will, 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 um, recognize that that supporting Donald Trump is not supporting the Republican Party and stand away from him and tell America about the danger. I, I mean, I expect, I not only expect it, I kind of demand it, right? And I and look back yeah. at the history of the Republican Party and say, if it meant anything to you, this is your moment. I, I completely agree. And we, um, you know, we've been talking about that at the bulwark that we anticipate that. I mean, I wrote last week that I anticipate that it's not reasonable that to believe that Christie will come around to endorsing Biden. He doesn't want to announce that now. 
um, that's fine um, that he wants to wait a little longer while he's still, you know, pretending to run for president. But Mitt Romney's made it clear that he would never vote for Trump and that anything would be better. So I, it's clear he's going to vote for Joe Biden. Uh, obviously, the truth is that tons of Republicans are going to vote for Joe Biden. They're just not going to admit it. But we're talking about people that need to come out, Dick Cheney and Liz Cheney, uh, Mitt Romney, Adam Kinzinger, uh, Chris Christie, and like you said, the Bush family, more, more people like that. I, I hope General John Kelly can finally, now that he's gone on the record, come out and say he's going to be supporting Joe Biden, even though he disagrees with him on, you know, seven to 14 policies, uh, initiatives. But all of them should say they disagree with Joe Biden on policy, but that this is a vote for the system. And without it, we will no longer have any free and fair elections. Totally Trump agree will stay that. in office or keep his family there and melt the Constitution down. And that's, I mean, that's, that's what, I mean, I, I, I think that we will have that. It's just a question of numbers. And what you and I are hoping for is, is bigger numbers. But, you know, I, I, I agree with you. We'll have at least five. I, I agree with you. I, I absolutely agree with you. I have a different question. What about the non-political, the non-politician Republicans? What about the corporate lobbying groups and the, you know, the, the ones who really have, a, who, who, frankly, who have benefited from some of the corruption? Um, but I, look, they're not all, they're like all of these people who, you know, who rep, corporate America hmm, is, is not a favorite of Joe Biden's, not a favorite of the policies. You know, the idea that, that the very, very, very wealthiest have gotten too wealthy as opposed to everybody else is a thing in the Democratic Party. I actually believe that. But I don't think that everybody who is a corporate board member or runs a major corporation in America isn't a patriot. I think they are. I think they are. I mean, is there a chance that that organized business will also stand up and say, you know what, like we saw what happened to Disney in Florida, and we don't want this happening us around the rest of the country. We need to stand up too for a rules-based uh, system. There, yeah, I think it's going to be I, harder. I had um, this naive hope after January 6th when, you know, a bunch of Corporations said that they would no longer give PAC money to the people who, in the House Republican conference, voted to decertify the election. Yeah. <laughs> and it lasted six minutes. And so I've given up on them. My, my yeah. feeling about them is that right now they are furiously on the phone with Chris Christie, telling him to back Nikki Haley to get out of the race. They are giving her money and they want to stop Trump with everything in their being. And the minute that he wins Iowa and New Hampshire, they're going to endorse him. And they're, um, they look at their bottom line, and they, we cannot count on them. Um, occasionally, when they worry about the consumer, they do the right thing. But in terms of our government, I, I have no faith. And if, they, if I am surprised, I will be elated if I'm wrong, and they, and they end up doing the right thing. So I, and going back to, you know, the, your, your, your comment about the education that, that needs to happen, about the benefits of a rules-based society. And I just know that the, one of the biggest beneficiaries of a rules-based society is corporate America and always has been. It's very hard to run a company if you don't know, like, what are the rules going to be? You know, you can't oh. plan. You can't. So, so I think this, I think they would, hmm, 
they need to, uh, we, we need to deliver some, find the right messengers to talk to them about this. And I don't know who that is. And I don't think Jamie Dimon is it. I don't know who it is. Yeah. I mean, look, I know that they know that he is, a, that it's a colossal disaster. If we have a second, it really will, that it changes the country forever. If Trump has a second term, they know that. And I know that they know that and that they appreciate that. Business wants certainty. The Trump, the Trump presidency was chaos for them. It was a disaster. Yes. He yep. was maligning the post office. He was going to shut down the border and declare a national emergency. He was, I mean, they, it was uh, this trade war and that trade war. And like tomorrow, exactly. there's a different one. And yeah. I know that they know that and they don't want him to win. The problem is that they, 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 they want to, you know, get out, stay on his good side um, in case he does. So it's it, the, having them, you know, convincing them to come out. And stand up is, is very tough. What I'm hoping um, in my optimistic moments, you know, is that there are private conversations going on around the country and that Liz Cheney and people like that are talking uh, to people about standing up this time. And I don't know, you know, we know who the Republicans could be, right? Mitch McConnell is clearly not going to be elected leader again by his conference in the Senate if Biden wins or Trump wins. Mitch McConnell's days in the leadership are over. He's the longest serving Senate leader in, in Senate history. And that's great, but it's over. And, and he knows that. And so does he want to serve out the rest of his Senate term until 2026? He could potentially walk away, um, you know, in September and, and mm-hmm. say, Donald Trump is a complete danger to this country and I'm not going to support him. And everything I've said until now was a complete lie. And I'm out of here. But big corporate, big corporate leaders. I don't, you know what I mean? I don't see yeah. that. That's why I thought I'd ask. I agree with you. <laughs> yeah. And, and I agree with you about Mitch McConnell, although January 13th, a year ago, he had his chance and he took a dive. So. Yeah, you know, three years he, ago. You know. He, I know, I understand. And he, but what he did was he he assumed that the Democrats, quote unquote, would take care of the son of a bitch. That's what he said, and um, that he would get prosecuted, and Trump, you know, that Trump would just be left on the side of the road. Well, he has um, been he prosecuted, was be, and, and he and right, and but that takes time. Right. And the voters, the, they, the voters would have been mad at Mitch McConnell for finding yeah. 17 votes for conviction for six months. And they would have moved on to Ron DeSantis and their other options. Yeah. But you are right. He failed us. And we we are stuck with Trump because of that decision. I, I, I have something else I want to ask you about. I have a lot of things I want to ask you about. I mean, the last time you and I spoke, I think I shocked you a little bit by saying I thought that Trump had hit his high watermark um, and he would start to lose some support. I don't think that will cost him the nomination, though. Um, I do think it's going to be a little harder than people think, um, particularly later, even when he's seen as unstoppable. I think the support is going to wane a little. But um, when? But well, I, it is. It's just you know, not in the Republican well, base. Republican base gets smaller but harder in his, you know, and more convinced of their lies. But I think it's going to be so, smaller. So he's going to be the nominee, right? You're saying? Yeah, are you I think he's going to be the nominee. Election? But I think okay, general election is going to be very hard for him. I, I believe that. 
And I even think the later primaries, even though he's going to be there by himself, is the turnout's going to not be what he wants. He'll say, oh, it's the biggest turnout in the history of the world. I got more votes in this primary than anybody in the history of the world, but it'll be a lie. Um, and I, and I kind of wonder, like here in the middle of the country where I am, you know, we got a bunch of Democratic governors from Kentucky to Minnesota who are hard to describe as radicals, Bashir, Pritzker, Whitmer, Evers, Waltz. They, they're sort of, you know, governing in ways that feel familiar. But like in Texas, in Florida, in Iowa, the governors can't work fast enough to demolish what you and I have understood as sort of the norms of governing forever and to put in place, you know, sort of radicalized institutions. This is a strange approach to governing for a party that calls itself conservatives. And at the bottom, I have this question, like, do they believe America has to be destroyed to be saved? Because that's what the left thought in the 1960s, and they were proven wrong. And I suspect that the right is doing that right now, and they're going to, have to get the same message. So I, I look at the party this way. You're right when you said a few minutes ago that like there's no kind of actual GOP left. So they had no platform in 2020 because they, Trump didn't want one. So just fealty right. to the man and everything's fine. You're not allowed to support the defense of Ukraine anymore. Um, if Trump was president, as you and I have talked about, he would give Taiwan to the CCP in an hour and a half. Um, he will let Putin have all of Ukraine. And so, so, so much has changed that, that, that it's unrecognizable. But because there's no interest in governing at all, these, the people who, you know, you have the grassroots, the cult, the base, that loves Trump and it's a movement. It, it is not a Republican yes. party, no longer based yeah. on a Republican. If he said tomorrow that he wants Medicare for all, they would say, absolutely. A hundred percent. He's right. He uh, brilliant. And so it's, it's, it's a cult and it's based on one man. So what my colleague, Jonathan last pointed out the other night when we were in discussion is that lawmakers used to have leverage over the executive, over the president, because the president, if they wanted to get something through Congress, you know, needed this give and take, right? In, in, every, in both parties, there's a back and a forth. Obama fought with congressional Democrats. You know, they, they tried to get cap and trade through. They got health care through. I mean, it was many, many, many negotiations and battles and lots of give and take. Trump has no interest in governing at all. He wants to do it by executive um, action or he doesn't want to do it. He just wants to bitch on Twitter and scream and shout. So he, he took four positions in 24 hours on, a, on the Bob Goodlatte immigration bill. It, yep. it, it's not about resolution. And so, so you have the party, the masses who follow him, and then you have um, leaders who are too afraid to say anything about it. So they just pretend. So, so that's where we are. It's, it's like they don't look at no one in the Republican Party is looking at at um, Bashir or or Waltz and, and saying, oh, I wish we had a governor like that. that was actually like getting stuff done and like was like a like a, a laboratory for new ideas. Like that would be cool. They've completely given up on this. There's no new ideas. You just deny elections. You, you, you rack up debt. You, you, you bitch about the border. You never solve it. You can't because it's a great issue. And you, you, um, you know, deny that every single economic indicator under Joe Biden is fabulous except for prices. 
which is global. And you just say Joe Biden's just, you know, running us into the ground and crime is higher when it's actually not. And you spread videos about stores getting ransacked now on social media. So, like, I hope, Edwin, that these voters in these states are looking at functioning governments led by Democrats who are being normal and getting stuff done and working across the aisle and say, like, this is we need this. But there are like true Republican voters are not walking around saying, like, let's get back to that. Yeah, you know what? It's a but that 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 base of the of of the Trump movement is just it's not going to grow. It's there. It's powerful. It's dangerous. It's not going to grow. And it, and it's not just that the, like these governors are, are doing things. And I think people in the state won't be radicalized because of what they're doing. And that Republican that Trump is a radicalizing force. He needs the chaos. He needs to tear things down. I think this is a stabilizing force. But in some of these Republican states where they have done like universal school vouchers, right? The bill is going to come due between now and the November election, right? They 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 have you know they've cut their taxes. It's the same thing that happened you know to Sam Brownback. It's going to happen to a bunch of other states in in the next few months. And that people are going to go, wait, what do you mean I got to raise taxes? What, what do you mean the school in my rural community is going to close? I, I just think that yeah, yeah. You know, reality I, I has that a they make of- this connection. I, I hope that they make this connection. I just feel that the concern for me is the disconnected, ill-informed or not informed at all, not low information voter, no information voter, never follows politics. And we're looking at young, Latino, black um, independent voters now leaving the Biden coalition. We don't know if they'll come yeah. back. Maybe they will. But for now, they're fed up. They're fed up with prices and fed up with mortgage rates and fed up with, with Joe Biden and fed up with his yeah. age and fed up with crime yeah. and fed up with the, with the border. And they're telling pollsters they would support Donald Trump. So those are the only people I worry about. You are right. The, the base won't grow. I'm worried yeah. about the people I, who decide I worry about elections. them, too. I, yeah. I, I worry too, but I think we're going to work hard to get them. But the other thing um, it is just related to what you said. I love what you guys do at the bulwark. Um, I think you should consider finding a way to fund yourself without a paywall. Cause you know what? Democracy dies behind a paywall. We have, we have a real, as you just said it, we have an information. Well, there's a lot. Okay. There's a lot you can read on the bulwark for free. You have to be a plus member. That's true. Absolutely. And I do. The other yep. stuff. Um, and I hope people in your audience will come and, and, and read our stuff and visit our stuff because we are going to be doing, you know, we're going to be doing whatever we can. I'm going to work on a piece once we get out of the Republican primary, um, which we all believe will be very short and brief. Mm-hmm. Um, like, we're not going to pay attention to it after. If, if Trump sweeps in Ohio and New Hampshire, like, that's over, we're not going to be like, Worried about how, you know, whatever, if he gets a lower number of, of, of you know, lower turnout in the, in the following states, he'll stay because, you know, everyone knows he's the nominee. So anyway, as soon as that's over and we're focused on the general, which is very soon, I'm, for one, I'm going to, I'm going to try to do a, I am going to do a piece, but I'm working on it now. Um, and I'd love your ideas, but I want to do. I want to put together a bunch of resources for people who feel like they're powerless. Like my mom, she's not on the internet. She literally has to at age 82 call like the Nevada democratic party and ask like, 
I, I want them to tell me what she can do. And she will stuff envelopes yep. and she'll make phone calls and she'll spend $25 checks here and there. But we all have to get in the game and we have to remind people. And a lot of Americans don't know this, even ones who follow politics, that this is a six state game and only a six state game. That's and right. if you don't understand that it's Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, Arizona, Nevada, and Georgia, you're, you're, you're going to waste time and you're going to waste money. And, all right, yeah. and I want us to edu- to provide this education to people who are checked in and concerned, but just feel powerless and don't know where to start. So I hope that that is a great service to everybody in, in great service. And I'm thrilled to know you guys are going to do it. Um, uh, and um, th- th- there, there's no spectators this time. The spectators are cleared from the field. Everybody is a player and everybody's got to know they can play. Right. Yep. And well, uh, we've we run to, over time. We have to help each and, other. I mean, even people, yep. I know you and I are in the media, but like even people who aren't in the media, we have to encourage them to, with their friends and family, we have to persuade the persuadables. We have to energize the persuadables and they're out there. And I know we're over time, but that was my final, right? There are persuadables and that's where our energies can be focused. Absolutely right. And there are people who are persuaded, but they just don't know how to help. And we have to tell them how. Exactly. Yeah. You got to get them on ramps. Everybody needs an on ramp. Well, all right. I love our conversations. I'm grateful to you for your time and for the work and for the care that you take to, uh, to think about these painful topics. Well, Edwin, you as well. I'm so glad to be with you and your listeners. Thank you for all you do. And we'll have a conversation again soon. Take care. Thank you too. Bye. All right, everybody. The incomparable A.B. Stoddard. We'll take a quick break and then I'll take your calls. Let's hear what you got to say.